When the going gets tough, he gets going. When there's hard questions to be asked, he's the one doing the asking. When the sports world needs answers, he's the one investigating. This is Closing the Gap Year with Alex Walcott. Welcome to episode four. We've got a very special guest today who's also responsible for the intro ref. So thank you very much, Adam Peters, for joining us. Dude, thank you for having me. I'm a huge fan of the podcast, and I'm just a huge fan of you as a person. So oh. I just, I'm very, very excited to be here. Well, it's a privilege to have you, and it's a privilege to have that ref. Seriously. Can we talk about greatness? That was awesome. <laughs> you channeled my best Home Depot commercial for that one. <laughs> well, it panned out great. And I think, you know, we'll just jump kind of, we'll jump right into things, right? So we had, we had the Lions playing today, got in a shootout with the Seahawks, yeah. highest scoring game of the season thus far. Mm-hmm. I think they had over a thousand yards of offense between the two teams. With that said, it says a lot about how bad the Seahawks defense is. Mm-hmm. It says a lot about how bad the Lions defense is. Right. The offenses were clicking on all cylinders, made Geno Smith look like a Hall of Famer, as apparently the Broncos did week one. Yeah. But, um, I mean, positive takeaways? We had the fourth down fake punt conversion. Yeah, I, the commentator, so Jack Fox, the punter, yeah. the commentator in the game, Sly as a fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's up there on the pantheon of puns. Sick, but yeah. That's big Phoenix energy. Oh, RG3, UW versus MSU. No doubt about it. And I guess the positive, obviously the Lions lost, right? Mm-hmm. They fall to one, one and three, not great. But mm-hmm. a positive takeaway, so in Minnesota week two, Dan Campbell went, Conservative and people could argue that's kind of a loss in the game. They yeah. elected to kick the field goal. Right. He goes for it on fourth and that fake punt. They're aggressive all game long, multiple two point conversions. Mm-hmm. So my my question for you is for MCDC Motor City Dan Campbell, yeah. how important is it for him to stay consistent with that ultra aggressive approach when the going gets tough like it did today? Yeah, I think it's it fits his whole sort of mindset. I don't want to call him like unconventional, but he's definitely just different than what Detroit's had. Um, which is great. Like, I think that was much needed. Um, I guess you don't want to become predictable, maybe. Not that, like, are they going to punt or go for it on fourth down? You know, that usually doesn't, like, make or break a game plan, if you know that or not. Um, but I think it's good. Like, you know, it's a very, like, Madden strategy. Yeah, it is. You know? Like, who punts? Sorry, if you're punting in Madden. Oh, that's sacrilegious. That is just, like, yeah, what are you doing? But, yeah. I don't know. I think it's 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 good and it fits and it shows that he trusts his offense. Like obviously the offense has been playing very well. Yeah. Um, I think it's. I like it. I do like it because it's fun. It's exciting. Yeah, and it just it gives the team I think something to be excited about. You know. And yeah. It, I think it it can be difficult sometimes in, in the sense that like maybe it's because he doesn't he doesn't trust the defense mm-hmm. even more so than the fact that he trusts his offense because yeah. the defense has been just so porous in terms of you know letting up points. Yards through the air, yards on the ground. Right. I mean, and I think today was a pretty good example of that. But yeah. I just think it. So we know Ben Johnson calls the plays, but when it comes mm-hmm. to deciding whether to go for it or not, right. that falls on Dan. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like the ultra aggressive approach, even at the fact that he's predictably aggressive. Yeah, it's just it still it gives some life to the team. And at this point, and we saw this a little bit last year. Like these are plays like that fourth and three. If they punted there, you know, that was right after I think. Um, that Seattle had already scored. Like yeah. these are game changing plays, momentum swinging plays. Right. Because so, then after that, some that one like Hawkinson. Yeah, well, they had that, that, that thirty six yard yeah, touchdown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it kind of blows the game open, and it, mm-hmm. I think it gives a little bit of life to a team that, 
at, probably at a lot of times throughout the series going to need it because of how many points they let up. And definitely because mm-hmm. the roster talent is just not there on that side of the right. ball. And I feel almost like on defense, like Hard Knocks was like amazing yeah. as a fan, but it was also a little bit like, I don't want to call it a curse, but it's like you develop these parasocial re- relationships with like yeah. the guys on the team are like, oh, Aaron Glenn, like he's sick. And yeah. Like maybe he is, but like from a coaching perspective or from a defensive coordinator like looking at him like is he the guy is it his fault they're not doing well probably not 100 percent. but you just kind of like fall in love with these personalities and then you're kind of blinded by like your view of them versus you know if you saw them from a more objective perspective or is it subjective no i mean uh, yeah i think our perspective was subjective from hard knocks because we yeah. fall in love with everybody exactly. right you know yeah. like, rodrigo, rodrigo who, who, by the way he was really good he yeah. fumble he's, on special teams he had a great day today yeah. but i i mean who knows if aaron glenn tactically is the right guy but they i, I think we pretty much guarantee they they just don't have the players mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know Hutchinson's is going to get better yeah. rodrigo Jeff if it's Okuna. possible could get better i don't know i mean the guy's elite okuna's played great he's in terms really of as a cover corner so you know, that defense is at least a year or two away from being, I think, where it wants to be. So right. we'll just have to wait and see. But they're mm-hmm. an exciting team to watch. But I think as a fan of a team that's been pretty, pretty, not only bad, but also just hard to watch the last yeah, couple of years, right. that's good enough for me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to a different Detroit team. Let's move on to the Pistons. The Stons. The Stons, as we affectionately refer to them. Right. <laughs> They've got a lot of, a lot. we think the Lions are exciting. The Pistons are really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. They've assembled quite the roster with all the young talent. They've killed the draft really the last two years. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what excites you most about this team? Uh, I think them sort of having like an identity and having young building blocks and core pieces. Because for so long, it was like Stan Van Gundy trying to build us through the front court, like the twin towers of Andre Drummond. Of course. Andre Drummond, Greg Monroe, and then it's Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. Doesn't really stack up to a David Robinson and Tim Duncan. No, yeah. It's <laughs> the just, real twin towers. It's <laughs> not really going to, you know, win you basketball games, I don't think. Not, you know, in this age. So obviously drafting Cade was huge. That was, You know, he's, he's the guy. And to think that he's, you know, going to get better is really exciting. And then even... You know, Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran haven't played in the NBA yet. Uh, but just seeing them in summer league and seeing them both in college, just how athletic they are. Yeah. just It's like something that I feel like the Pistons have sorely missed for the last decade or so, which yeah. is an identity. When's the last time we had a really like ultra-athletic like wing? I like Will Bynum. Well, he wasn't a wing. He yeah. was a guard. He, that guy was an athlete. That, that guy was Will the Thrill. Sick. That guy was the sick. Thrill. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out John Mason. Oh, oh my goodness. One of the best in person, like arena announcers that I, I'm familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. The GOAT. Mm-hmm. But oh, I completely agree with you, but let me play a little bit of devil's advocate in the sense that, like, so we get Cade, we get Ivy, you have this really young backcourt, yeah. which is exciting. And again, they're athletic, mm-hmm. they can knock down shots, they're pretty good on the defensive end. Yeah. But in terms of having a really young backcourt with Cade and Jaden Ivy at that age, at least what we've seen in the past, like we saw it with the Rockets with their young backcourt the last couple of years, mm-hmm. is that they have a propensity to shoot a poor percentage from the field from three. They also turn the ball over a lot. Yeah. So I was looking up some numbers, even for Cade, who mm-hmm. I think you could make a pretty solid argument that he could have been rookie of the year last year, right? Right. I think like you could not have asked for much more in terms of rookie year yeah. output. And then, for example, like with the way Cade played last year, he shot just over 40% from the field, mm-hmm. just over 30% from three. And his assist-to-turnover ratio, which is a pretty good metric for how efficient you are, how careful you are with yeah. the ball, 
was about 1.45. That's outside the top 100, mm-hmm. and it pales in comparison to Jay Crowder, Wesley Matthews, and Frank Nitlakina, who are not exactly the game's premier yeah. distributors. So, right, right. Of course he's going to get better. The assists are going to go up. Hopefully the turnovers go down. But I think we have to kind of like reserve our expectations yes, for the team. And absolutely. There might be a lot of turnovers. There mm-hmm. might be a lot of you know clanks off the rim. There also yeah. might be a lot of alley-oop dunks and really exciting games. Yeah. So it's like you got to take the good with the bad. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's really managing what you expect of this team. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone thinks we're going to be competing in the playoffs. Not this it's year, like yeah. Very best case scenario, they are like an afterthought as a play-in team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good way to put it, yeah. Um, I think it would be great, and I think I'm kind of expecting us maybe not to be in like the top three of the lottery. I hope not. We've been there, <laughs> We've been there <laughs> Very for Very familiar, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of nice, because I guess if I watch the draft, you only have to wait 45 minutes. Yeah, you just go move on with your two night. Two and a half hours, yeah. yeah. Um, and some people honestly do want that because they want like Victor Wembanyama or like Scoot Henderson or these guys. And yeah, I think like it's good to recognize that there are these prospects that have a lot of potential and can be like awesome. But I feel like people get caught up too far looking ahead instead of like yeah. realizing what we have now. We have a really young team now. I don't remember how many guys it is, but it's a lot of guys that are under the age of like twenty four. It's like yeah, it's over a young half team, the team for sure. The vets we have, it's like Corey Joseph, Bojan, Alec Burks, yeah. Williams Noel, I guess. So we yeah, have so, a couple guys. But who are all like solid players, by the way. Yeah, and absolutely. I know uh, Rodney Magruder. Yeah. Rodney Magruder. Oh, come on now. But like Corey Joseph is like a really good locker room guy, mm-hmm. I've heard. I remember yeah. like the Spurs loved him when he was there. Yeah. So it's like, it's, they have like a good combination of like mostly young guys, <clears> but in the right veterans in place that can hopefully, you know, be a good impact on the younger guys, help them yeah. kind of ascend. Absolutely. And then something I really like about the team, and this is just not even from like a basketball point of view, I like that it seems like, like I heard one of the, one of the writers, uh, James Edwards III, he writes mm. for The Athletic, but he described them as he thought they were kind of like a college team, just in terms of how close they were. Really? That's exciting yeah, to which hear. is cool. Like, obviously you don't have to like, like everyone you work with or whatever. Sure. But I think it helps a lot, especially when you're kind of on the same page with the people you're playing with. Um, it helps a lot when you, like, get along with those guys. Yeah. And, you know, you see things like they took a trip to, like, the Motown Museum together. And they That's video of them seeing, yeah. like, My Girl in the studio. Things like, like, it's, there's, like, a video of Buddy Beheim like, Millie rocking <laughs> <laughs> Little Caesars. Um, it's just, like, exciting from, just to see these personalities, I feel like. Yeah, you know more even more than like what they can do on the floor, which is also very exciting as well. I think that's exciting to see that there's you know some good solid team chemistry coming up on the way. But mm-hmm. I guess I, I guess I had a couple follow up questions for you on that one yeah, because sure. the first thing being like, oh, every team wants to. It feels like in the NBA especially, you either you're competing to be at the top of the league, mm-hmm. and if you're not there, a lot of teams that around the All Star break just kind of bottom out and they yeah. tank, you know, because right. they want these really good guys. Right. And I think. I, th- I think the NBA's done a pretty good job to try and discourage that. For example, like if you are the worst record in the league, it doesn't mean you're going to get the first overall yeah, pick. You know, right, like right. the ping pong ball has to fall your way. You right. know? So, I, I don't know. It's just, what are your thoughts about like the fact that so many teams decide to kind of tank at the at the midpoint of the year if they're not really competing for a championship? Sure, mm-hmm. the play-in tournament helps, but like, what are your general thoughts about that? I mean, like as a fan of a team that's not been great. 
I get it. I definitely get it. Um, but it's never you never want to root for your team to lose. You know what I mean? It sucks because I'm I go on like the Pistons subreddit a lot because there's like the game threads and then people post like kind of like memes and whatever. And it's just kind of like a fun. It makes watching the games more fun for me at least. Yeah. Um, but you see people like after well we. Like, last year, we would lose to, like, the Wizards or, like, Orlando or something. Like, teams that were also kind of towards the bottom of the league, and people were like, oh, it was, like, a good win or a good loss. Yeah. Sorry. Like, and I was like, is there – I mean, I like, I guess, but there's not really such a thing as, like, a good loss. Yeah, and even if it is, it's like maybe you're playing against a really good team and you, there were, like, some moral victories. That yeah, you right. Like the, yeah, the, <clears throat> like losing like that, feeling good about losing mm-hmm. versus, like, Feeling good about almost winning are two different yeah. things, you know. Yeah, because I like the years. I think like even like back to after <clears throat> trading for, like trading Blake Griffin or I don't even know if we didn't. Or did we trade him? We uh, well Blake, I think we we uh, bought out his contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, after Blake Griffin, after Andre Drummond, like we're gone. Then like people were sort of rooting for them to lose, and you know whatever draft whoever. And then after that season, I remember hearing people that were like, I don't know if I can take another season of this. And then it's like three seasons later with kind of, yeah, you know, you're, you've kind of been doing the same thing for the last couple of years. So it's like, I get it. I definitely understand from wanting to build the future of your team. But it's also like kind of just like sucks. You know, like it yeah. ruins the competitive nature because you, you want your team to win and do the best they can. Yeah, like I, like I think about a team like Utah, who's been like really solid the last few years, haven't met expectations, right? Mm. But if I'm a fan of Utah, like I would take the last five years any day of the week. I know, right? yeah. There's nothing wrong with being with winning 50 games, <clears throat> and then maybe getting out of the first round, or maybe mm. winning like two, three games. As for like as a Pistons fan, when was the last time we won a playoff game? You know, there's nothing wrong with being a really solid mm. team. And then trying to ride that out until you can get a really good free agent, or you mm-hmm. you get really lucky with your draft pick, or you. You hit on a guy in the second round who ends up being a really impactful yeah. role player. Right. You don't have to just say, the only thing we're going to do is wait till we get the next generational talent. Yeah. You know, because it's so unlikely that's going to come your way. And if mm-hmm. it does, are you going to be able to have the right surrounding talent? Are you going to be able to keep that player happy enough to keep him to the point where you're able to have the competitive supporting cast? It's right. like there's so many things that have to go right for you to have this perfect kind of recipe for success. Mm-hmm. In reality, if you're just consistently adding talent and, and developing players, you can probably end up being pretty good, and there's nothing wrong with being pretty good, especially when you've been this bad for Absolutely, so long. Absolutely, yeah. And I feel like, I wonder if teams that have kind of enjoyed some sort of success are at the point where they expect that, like they expect to make the playoffs and maybe win like the first round or compete in the first yeah. round. And then they're like, okay, well, we've done this, so now it's just like championship or redo it and like, you know, championship or bust or whatever. So I, I think I think a lot of it is definitely perspective. I think as as fans of the Stans, the Stans. It's, it's been a rough <laughs> a while. Yeah, it has been. Mm-hmm. Really has. I I think it's right to be excited about the future. Um, yeah, even if I don't think we're gonna do that well, but I think we'll be fun. And I would I would reckon we're gonna be competitive in more games than we're not. Yeah, I think I hope we play hard. I hope, I hope Dwayne Casey is able to get these guys playing hard. I know he's had mm-hmm. a lot of success in the past in Toronto. Yeah, hasn't translated with Detroit yet, but he hasn't yeah. had the talent with him. And right. then the other things with there's something else I wanted to ask you about because mm-hmm. you brought up Stan Van Gundy, yeah. who's not only the coach but he was also the president of basketball operations. Yeah. Right, right, right. 
And it seems like having the same person be both of those positions has failed in the past. Doc Rivers was the coach of the Clippers. He was also their president of basketball operations. Mm-hmm. It just fails when it seems... It's just... It's hard to have one guy occupy both such right. uniquely different positions. So yeah. now, it seems hopefully Dwayne Casey with his resume is the right guy to coach. Mm-hmm. And it seems abundantly clear Troy Weaver is the right guy to Yeah, it. Oh, absolutely. So, well, I th- what are your thoughts on Troy? I mean, other than the fact that he's just a, a tank. Oh, I think he's sick. Yeah, yeah, I think he's very, very cool. He's very smart, I think. I mean, getting Sadiq Bay with like the 19th pick. That's a hit. Yeah. That's really good. I think even like Isaiah Stewart with the 16th was great. Um I'm still a Killian Hayes believer. <laughs> I don't know if that was 100 percent Troy Weaver. That might have been like Ed Stefanski or something. Yeah, but he, I agree with you about Killian Hayes. Yeah. He does a lot of things really well. He mm-hmm. just isn't a really kind of refined offensive player yet. Yeah, it's just like he's bad at like the most important. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it sucks. He's bad at putting points on the board. You know? <laughs> he's bad at yeah. what wins you games. Yeah, no, but he plays really good defense. He's a good passer. I think, like when we had Saban Lee. Because, like, I like Saban Lee, too. I just like everyone on the Pistons. Like, if you're on the Pistons, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I like you. You find a silver lining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's hard not to, yeah. Um, but just, like, I feel like the offense flowed really well when Killian Hayes is on the floor. So I really like him coming off the bench and kind of running the second unit. Um, but just because, like, I don't know, he's not going up against, usually he's not going up against, like, the best of the best. And he can kind of just, like, play in his own space. And, yeah. I, I still think he can be good. I think I don't think he's gonna be like an all star. I know people like people are saying a player comp would be like Goran Dragic, which like even that I'm like I don't know. I think they're just also different. Yeah, I I, I sort of see it in like a little I don't bit. Just because they're both left handed in Europe. Yeah, that's <laughs> an easy comp. Yeah, low hanging fruit. Yeah, I think it's just mental. A lot of it's mental for Killian Hayes. He's gonna figure it out, man. As Pistons fans, I think we have a lot to be excited about. Yes. We also have a lot to, to be patient with. You know, yeah. just we have realistic expectations for this team because just have faith in Troy. Mm-hmm. You know, have faith in Dwayne Casey, the guys who have been successful. Yeah. Troy had a really really good stint in OKC. Yeah. And absolutely. then Casey's was really good in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And just trust the fact that there's talent on this team, the yeah. coaching staff is there, the general manager is there. You just gotta let everything play out. Yeah. And the, I think a thing about Dwayne Casey is I'm not sure. I think he's a good coach. I think he might be nearing the end of his like coaching time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's think, kind of old now, isn't he? Yeah, I don't, he's like I don't know, probably in like his late either or sixties. Okay, yeah, not too bad, I guess. But like, I think he's really good for a coach as to where we are now because a lot of his thing was like developing players. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know, in however many years, hopefully it's like three, four years when the Pistons are like you know good really good I don't know if he'll be the guy it could be someone on their staff now like I know I've heard like Rex it's like Calamarian or Calamanian he's like an assistant coach I think he he coached he took over for Dwayne Casey last season for like a few games just because Dwayne Casey was away from the team sure um but someone like that I don't know I thought they played well they won a game or two I think that says a lot (laughs) for a team that didn't win very many games it's interesting like I feel like I would be very excited if they hired a new coach. Yeah. Weirdly. Not just no energy sh- in the yeah. building. And, like, no shade. Like, that is not a shot at Dwayne Casey at all. I really like him as a guy, and I think he's he gets guys to play for him well. Yeah. But it would just be, like, fun. I don't know if it's just because it would be something new that I'm, like, easily entertained. I mean, but, I think when you win 
under 35 games for three years straight, you, like yeah. it's, it's hard to be patient for this. But mm-hmm. I think this is like this is the first time where the talent's clearly ascending in the right direction. Yeah. So, I, you know, I feel like it's appropriate we give him another year. Dude, it he's, is, he's done enough in the past to kind of earn it. I gotta say, it's tough. I'm playing 2K and I picked the Pistons and it shows Dwayne Casey's winning percentage. It's like oh. 0.25%. It's just like, ah, uh, yes. That's brutal, man. Wow, 2K, <laughs> 2K did our man dirty. I know. It's just like, guys, I, I get it. It is what it is. I don't know. No, that's very true. So mm-hmm. we'll see how the Pistons do this year. I have a feeling they're going to be fun to watch. I'm excited. I think they're playing uh, in two days. Wow. It's the Knicks, yeah, the preseason. Oh. It's on TNT. So, dude, I am so, if, dude. If Kevin Harlan, oh. I don't know if he calls like preseason, but he should. If he does, oh my goodness! For the listeners out there, if you're not familiar with Kevin Harlan, just among the greatest of all time, the he, voice of the voice Jesus. of Jesus, obviously the voice it's of sports, such a good voice. He calls NBA and NFL games, and I mean, if you just look up Kevin Harla, Harlan highlights, I mean. Whether it's when uh, J.R. Smith dunk, oh, we just oh saw a man fly. Dude, the one. Cowboy. Is it, was it Tracy McGrady? Like, he just sucked the gravity right out of the building. That's him. How about when the, 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 um, when the fan ran out onto the field oh, on football? The, yes. Yeah. He's at the 50, at the 40, at the 30. He's the guy's drunk. Yeah. There he goes. That's <laughs> <laughs> an all time really great call. He's just, the guy just, he just adds so much excitement to the game. He's so much mm. passion. We love Kevin Harlan on oh this podcast. Gosh. Yes. Kevin, if you're listening, we would love to have you. Please. Oh but my god. If goodness. you don't want to come on, that's totally okay. I understand. Yeah. Or if you're not listening at all, I wouldn't be surprised it's about just that just either. Get the message out there. Yeah. Big Kevin. You know what? I'm scared. Like, we'll release this, then tomorrow will be like, Kevin Harlan has, like, killed a man or something. <laughs> <laughs> Age is terrible. We're just boosting up a, a serial <laughs> no, killer. Yeah. What? <laughs> no, dude. I love, love Kevin. I just, I like a lot of commentators. George Blaha, obviously. Oh. Special K. Iconic Detroit, man. Special K. It's Gregory Kelser. Come on now. He is just... He's, they were just really good. I think they... What I like about them is that they kind of like give the other team their sort of credit. Like, yeah, they're, they're not, not very not subjective. Yeah. yeah which, which, some teams, like the, the Charlotte guy. Oh, my goodness. Like it's, 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 pulling up from three. Oh, my, oh my goodness. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he... Every time Lamelo Ball does anything, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, no, dude is wow. losing his mind. The other team, it's like... And, you know, Tower Hero for three. Yeah, so, right. Can like, we keep some consistency? It's like, I get that that's like his thing. Yeah. But it's like, dude, that's like, okay. We get it? I don't know. I will say, I loved this past season when we beat Charlotte in Charlotte. And like it was like Kelly Olenek won on a buzzer beater. Respect to Kelly. Shout out KO. <laughs> <laughs> no. But then I was watching a stream of like the Charlotte broadcaster. And then I think also if you just look up that buzzer beater on YouTube, it's the Charlotte broadcast. But like, Olenek pulls up and then he's just like, Olenek! And then he hits the shot. And then he sounds like a super villain at the end of a movie. He's just like, no! <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's so funny. Like, I mean, we know who this guy was rooting for. Yeah, I just imagine he's like falling to his knees and like <laughs> shaking his fists at the sky. <laughs> he's like, no! This <laughs> is super funny. Oh. He's no Kevin Harlan, that's all we can say. Dude, Kevin Harlan is just... He's built different. Really, yeah. He's, like, actually very solid. Yeah. <laughs> As a commentator. As a commentator, of course. <laughs> and, dude, something else I wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Recently spent several weeks as a production assistant, right, with critically acclaimed actors like John Paul Howard, or as some of his friends probably call him, like you, J.P. Howard, right? Shout out, J.P. <laughs> 
So I'm not sure how much you're allowed to discuss the movie because like it's pending release in a few months. Sure. Hopefully within a few months. But yeah. can you talk a little bit about, about your experience working kind of in the film industry and some of your biggest takeaways? Yeah. Um, so I was a production assistant on a movie. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I'm like under time. I'm just going to say what it let it fly let it rip man we'll let the repercussions so it's called <laughs> movies called a girl like him it is not a sequel to the movie a girl like her although it's the same director thank you for debunking that conspiracy theory and production company um <laughs> yeah so a pa is basically just like an intern and you don't really work for a specific department like it's not like or at least i didn't you don't really work for like helping out the actors or a wardrobe or the camera or the lighting. You just kind of do whatever anyone asks you to do. It can even just be like, hey, like, we need to move the U-Haul. Like, can a PA do that? And then we just do that. Um, but my experience was not the best <laughs> experience. It was imperfect. Yeah. It was imperfect. Um, some of that was definitely I didn't know what to expect. Like, I didn't definitely wasn't, I wasn't expecting, like, 12-hour days. That's, that's pretty Five lengthy. or six days a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot, the, the biggest sort of problem, I guess, there was, was just like a general lack of communication. Um, it seemed like if someone told you to do something, they were already upset that you hadn't done it, even though that was the first time they were telling you to do exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And it just made for, like, a, a very unpleasant environment to be around. They also put me as, like, a background person. Because the movie takes place um, in, like, a high school. So, so you're effectively starring in the movie, <laughs> is what you're telling I, me. I, I don't want to brag, but I laugh at a, a genital joke. Wow. So I mean, did, I mean, how many award shows are you eligible for as <laughs> best supporting actor? I think so, yeah. Well, I have to submit it to the Academy. That's more than just being an extra, man. You effectively have lines. <laughs> more, almost, I think. They're, they're, very, they're like, guys, don't make any sounds, because then you have to, like, I don't know, with the, the Screen Actors Guild or whatever. Yeah. But it was a lot of waiting around and not being told what was going on. Like, I think we would, it was, they, we would, like, get there in the morning and then check in and then they'd be like all right so this is where we're taking all the extras to wait and then we would probably we would check in maybe around like eight or nine uh in the morning and then we would be waiting and then maybe we would shoot a scene and then we'd be waiting until like five or six and then there were times when they were like oh okay well you guys can leave now and i was like dude that I wish I had known that. Would have loved to hear six that hours earlier. ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think maybe I'm just the film industry isn't for me. I wasn't really sure if it was. But. Yeah, and I'm sure it depends on the project, but it just feels mm -hmm. like the, the biggest thing, at least from what I can tell, what we've talked about before, is yeah. that it's just it felt like it was very inefficient. And I'm sure that mm -hmm. starts at the top. Whoever like was the managing yeah. the production. And I wonder if you know if that was unique to this project. Mm -hmm. And whether, you know, for different producers or different directors, whatever the case may be, maybe they run like a little bit more of a tighter ship that is yeah. a little bit more communicative. Yeah, I think it's worth noting this film was very, very small. Like, I think the budget was like under a million dollars. Still a lot of money, but in sure. the world of film, you know, that's that's pretty small. Um, so there were probably a lot of people that were maybe taking more on their plate than normally would have uh, in like a bigger project. Yeah. But yeah, it was just... 
it was hard and I think like everyone was kind of ready for it to be done when it was done thankfully I I like stopped a little earlier um but yeah it was it was an experience I mean they say you learn a lot you almost maybe learn more from bad experiences than good experiences um which maybe that's true but I guess I'm <laughs> I don't I don't know if I'm glad I did it, but it's fun to talk about now. It'll be fun when the movie comes out, I think. Yeah, you've got some stories out of it. Mm -hmm. You've got some screen time. And most importantly, you had the just amazing opportunity to work with the genius, Logan Rudolph. Dude, oh my goodness, Logan For the listeners, by the way, Logan Rudolph, former defensive end at Clemson, is that right? I think so, he was a defensive end. We watched some highlights. He's pretty good. He He had like legit highlights. And the, the announcers were like gassing him off. They were like, you need an injection of energy. Logan Rudolph is your guy, <laughs> and he like he he's wrecked some people. That guy Dude, could tackle that, that. I, that guy might have been like doing lines in the locker room. Like, yeah, he was. <laughs> I would not be surprised. <laughs> he was something accelerator in his system. Yeah. yeah, and for those who don't know, Logan Rudolph, it is the brother of just decorated third stringer Mason Rudolph, right? Mm-hmm. Who for uh, for those who don't know, he was two years ago Mason Rudolph. I think I think it was two years ago was involved mm-hmm. in that altercation at the end of the game against the Browns where Miles Garrett removed Mason Rudolph's helmet, and it looked like he tried to kill him with it. Yeah, and it was brutal. I, yeah, Mason took it like a champ, dude. He did. He got a hand to Mason. He took ate like that a champ. helmet and was just like up and ready to go. I, but you know, I, I there's no way Miles Garrett got a clean shot at him. No. If Miles Garrett gets a clean shot at hitting you with a helmet, oh my goodness, I like you're just dead on impact. Yeah, I mean that is a strong dude. <laughs> That's a large man. Yeah, yeah. Gr- Amazing player, by the way. Yeah, good basketball player too. Miles Garrett, that he's guy like can windmills leap. And yeah, stuff. just casually, just casually windmill dunks. <laughs> yeah, it's not even a sport you play. Yeah, and he's like also carrying way more weight than he needs to because know, for the, because he's defensive yeah. end, you know. And it's like, imagine if that guy like trimmed down. That oh guy could God. be an elite basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> it's just terrifying to think about. He he looks like the Incredible Hulk. I mean, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm getting off topic. No, I'm talking about Miles Garrett. From, from Moose Mason Rudolph. Let's talk about Logan Rudolph. Yes. Yeah, so. Can you talk about the genius of Logan Rudolph? What it was like to work with him? And can we talk about his YouTube reel? The yes. acting reel? Yes. Because it's just amazing. So, for acting, you hear about guys that get really into the roles. Maybe it's like method acting. You know, like Jared Leto and like Christian Bale. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Like these guys, are, they get really in their character. And usually... You know, maybe not for Jared Leto, but for the other guys, turn out usually good performances. I think Logan Rudolph really wanted to be one of those guys. Right. I just don't think he has the pedigree <laughs> quite yet. Um, one one notable thing that happened was we were in a locker room, um, and this is a scene where his character bullies uh, JP's character. And we were both in kind of the same stall of lockers, and I had to walk out towards the camera before him, and then he would walk out after me. But I wasn't sure of that at the time. Um, I didn't know whether like he walked out first, or whether I follow him, whether I just go straight, or if I like turn. Sure, there's a lot of uncertainty there. Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah, par for the course <laughs> for this production. <laughs> um, but. And there was a big thing they said, like, don't talk to the actors. Like, you know, they're in their zone. They're doing their job. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Okay. But for this moment, there was really no one around I could ask. So I was like, he, you know, has read the script. Yeah. So I asked him, hey, do you go first or do I go first? His response was to whistle and point. 
uh, <laughs> a direction, and that was it. Was, that did not help answer my question. No. You give people two options, and they're just like, yes. It's like, <laughs> that doesn't help me. He could have just said no, and I would have been like, understandable. But he was just like, and like, <laughs> just, I was like, what? Yeah. Love the clarity there from Logan. I know. And I think you brought up his acting reel. Guys, Logan Rudolph acting reel. Just, I don't even know. If there's one thing you watch on YouTube today, it is that it needs to be that. It is pure entertainment. Dude, I really, because it only has like 50 views right now. That's criminal. (laughs) <laughs> you need to add multiple zeros to that. Like that dude, he does different accents. I mean, he's sometimes he's not wearing a shirt. Shirtless within yeah. the first five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> he's like blowing bubbles. He's like talking about Dak Prescott with his nephew. It, it, okay. If anyone knows anyone in the film industry, maybe you're looking for just a real chameleon of an actor. <laughs> Logan <laughs> Rudolph, man. He does it all. <laughs> Guy can do anything. <laughs> He's uh, the versatility of LeBron James behind the camera. <laughs> He's the Swiss Army knife of the film industry. Oh, oh my goodness! Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's yeah. It's uh, it's 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 a good watch <laughs> with friends. Oh, that makes it way better. Yeah, yeah I think is, is a lot of time. I will say on set, JP was actually a very nice guy. He was he was like, and then the star, I forget her name. Maybe Melanie something, but she was super nice too. Logan was just like the the artsy brooding one who he thinks is being really cool, but is just kind of being a jerk. Yeah, just getting a little too deep into it. Yeah, like I get wanting to take it seriously, but I think, I don't know if it just would have been better if he didn't take it as seriously. I don't know, who knows? We'll, We'll get to see the finished product. All I can say is shout out to JP for being nice. You guys can see JP in uh, Hell or High Water where he plays Chris Pine's son. <laughs> has legitimate lines. I thought he was really good. I thought he was too. He has like an actual like a legitimate full scene with Chris Pine. Yeah. So he like he maybe outshines Chris Pine. In that scene, you could argue that, no yeah, doubt about it. By yeah. the way, Hell or High Water, great movie. Really yeah, really, really good movie. And then who's the director of that movie? Taylor, right? Oh, Taylor Sheridan Taylor is the Sheridan. writer. Oh writer, writer okay. But there's like that little trio of movies. Mm-hmm. That, and so it's it's Hell or High Water, it's yep. Wind River, yes. and then Sicario? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you, I think he directed Wind River which, as well. Another great movie recommendation for you guys, Wind River. Wind River is very good. By the way, Adam recommended it to me. The guy doesn't miss on his movie <laughs> recommendations. Sicario, we have, neither of us have seen. So yeah, right? we have plenty. We're, we'll, we'll watch it together at some point, I think. We'll give you our ratings as soon as yeah. we have them, guys. But, I'm, uh, dude, I'm so... Because that that's directed by Denis Villeneuve, who like... No Dude, country for old men. Banger right? after banger. Yeah. Or is he prisoners? Prisoners. Prisoners. Yeah. Prisoners. He did Dune. Oh. He did Enemy, which is a kind of a weird movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, the guy yeah. puts out bangers. Is He's, what you're saying? Yeah, dude. I, he did Arrival as well. Wow. Yeah, that, that was a big movie. Yeah. yeah. I love recommending movies. Dude. You don't miss, man. I'm serious. <laughs> I appreciate the recommendations. Of course, dude. I'm always happy to do the nice guys. Oh. Dude, God, that's a such an underrated, under that, that's a huge movie. It's so underrated. Yeah, like no one's seen it. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. It's like I don't. It's Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. It's a good cast. I know it has big names. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's it's hilarious. It's so funny. And it's like the perfect buddy cop movie. It's, yes. I mean, yeah, 
tell the viewers how, a little bit more about the movie and why it's so great. Yeah, so it's set in like the 70s in LA, and it has Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Ryan Gosling is kind of like this sort of, I don't want to say washed up, but he's kind of like a failed PI. Yeah. And then Russell Crowe is sort of this like older hitman type guy. Um, and they team up to find like a missing woman in LA. And it's just so funny. Yeah. It's so funny. And just their chemistry is really Yeah, good. that's the best part. Yeah. It's my favorite Ryan Gosling performance. It's my favorite Ryan Gosling movie. And the dude is in good movies. I he is. I really, he doesn't mess around. Yeah, yeah. La La Land's great. I really like Blade Runner. Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah, the movie's so good. That one's really funny. Yeah, but The Nice Guys is my favorite Ryan Gosling movie. And I would say it's in like my top five favorite movies, maybe. Yeah, it's up there for me too. Yeah. It's a great movie. I appreciate you recommending course, it, man. Dude. It's just so fun. If anybody like, needs just a nice, fun movie to watch that also happens to be really, really good, mm-hmm. you can't do much better than that. Yeah, it's on Netflix now, which is super nice. Yeah. It wasn't for a while. I was like, wow. Man, I, hope, I hope it gets a little more viewership, man. It deserves it. It's really good, yeah. I guess we'll move on here. I'm not, I'm not breaking any news when I say you're an elite musician, right? Don't don't be humble, man. You, you really you do it all. But I know we were saying Logan Rudolph's the Swiss Army knife of uh, of acting. You're the Swiss Army knife of, of music, man. Seriously, you pretty much you do it all. You have a YouTube channel that has two covers on it right now. You've got Don't Think Twice All Right, originally by Bob Dylan. Yes. And then you've got Sparks, originally by Coldplay, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like your covers like they rival the original. I, 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 I'm not I saying that as your friend. That. I'm not saying that as your friend, man. First and of course they're like more stripped down than like the original. Yeah, it's, it's just, just you and your guitar. And they are so, so good. Guys, if you look up Adam Peters and then type in either of those songs, Don't Think Twice, It's Alright, or Sparks, you can check out the covers. I'm really not boosting it up because Adam's just a great guy. It's really, really good music. You could be a terrible person, I would still say. Um, I really mean it. So, as someone who's just, I'm just a real fan of just your guitar playing, singing and everything. Can you talk a little bit about your background in music? And I mean, it's going to be hard for you because you're humble, but can you just talk about why you're so good at that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um... I think I'm, I'm fortunate enough to come from sort of like a household or maybe from parents and older siblings that all have been involved in music in some way or another. Like my dad uh, was actually a band director, like a high school band teacher before he went to law school. Like, so we went to college for music education. That's such a cool path, by the way. I know. Really, like just going from like band instructor <laughs> to law school, that's such a cool path. Yeah, I it's it's. It's definitely a, a turn of events, but he's still someone who you know still really appreciates music. And my mom, um, even though she didn't pursue music as like a career, something that's always been very special to her and, and her family. She really loves like Elton John a lot. Her favorite movie is The Sound of Music. She loves oh, it's a great you movie. know show tunes and, and Broadway shows and everything like that. Um, so just coming from from the background, and then both my older brothers they they um, you know played like in band in high school and then they both kind of do music on their own now uh which is really cool and i sort of they like sort of sort of taught me how to play guitar encouraged me definitely to do that um but yeah just coming from a place that encouraged it I and mean, you know we all took piano lessons as a kid and then um i played the cello and i took you know private lessons at that and that was a lot of fun i think just having it always be something that was encouraged was really really helpful and it sort of fostered like this love that I still have for it and hopefully you know we'll continue to have for a really really long time I think it's funny because now I would say what I do mostly is like playing guitar and then singing I haven't played the cello in a long time which kind of like there are times you know there are times that I'm like ah you 
just whip it out. Just Play, start like, the swan. Know, or yeah. Like, one of the box suites or whatever. But then it's always like, ah, it's downstairs. And I got a rosin the bone. <laughs> I can just. I don't want to touch with, the horse hair. Yeah, right. I come with so many excuses not to do it. And then I just end up not doing it. Um, but I think, weirdly enough, college was. And we're also jumping. Wait, let's back up a little bit. So I, I think I learned how to play guitar in like middle school. I got my first guitar in eighth grade, which is the one I have now. It's a Martin. It's a good guitar. That doesn't get much better than that. uh, Part of the X series, which is like their cheaper ones, but it's it's a a great guitar. Makes for a great arsenal, okay? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, And now at that time, a lot, like, I think the music that I've been learning to play is always influenced by what I'm listening to, and I think everyone's that way. Um, So I was listening to a lot of, like, Ed Sheeran at that time. So I was like, I think the first song I learned was The A-Team. And I learned how to play like Lego House. And like most of that, his first album plus, like I knew really well. Um, even now, I still listen to it and I'm like, oh man, I remember like all the words to just this random, you know, B side track. Um, but just like, I think that was a big formation because at that time, I was just like, dude, I just want to like be Ed Sheeran, you know, <laughs> trying to be this guy who just plays guitar and is like, kind of unassuming but he's like really good and he has the loop pedal and stuff like yeah. that um, yeah and it's just like a very singer songwriter type of vibe but then like in high school like you listen to more things and you're like in Baltimore you're exposed to more things and then um, you know start to learn how to play more things and I think discovering John Mayer was like a huge part of that That's that was a big one for you yeah, yeah. it's still right now definitely is my favorite artist um and I'd like known his songs, like his big ones. Like I know, like waiting on the world to change and daughters and you know the best song of all time. Say, <laughs> oh yeah, dude, banger, banger of a song. It just it's it's just so deep lyrically. You <laughs> know, you really I mean, spend a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. I tell you, if you say say what you need to say enough times, there's more to it than just that. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually if you look deeper than the words that are actually said, there's nothing else there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I think it was, so senior year of high school, I saw him live, uh, and it was amazing. Like, it was great, but I wasn't super into him then, but then after that, I got really into him, and then I, like, because that was right after The Search for Everything was released, so I did, like, a sort of a deep dive into that album, and then that kind of, I gotta be honest, at first I skipped over both, like, Paradise Valley and Born and Raised. Which are just, they're, they could, especially Born and Raised. Born and Raised is... It could be my favorite John Mayer. It's really, really, so good. really good. But yeah, I was like, ah, it's like country, and I don't like country. Right. So right. I just went to like you know, Battle Studies, like it's one. Continuum, which I think is my favorite album. That album. I mean, that's just elite. Yeah, that might be like my favorite album, like ever. I just think all the songs in there are so good. There's not one miss on there. Yeah, yeah it's so good, man. And there was a time when I was like, oh, I don't really want to listen to like Belief or whatever, and I it grows on you. That one. I was yeah. like, dude. Dude, that, that tone on the solo, it's so like chunky. Yeah. But yeah. just like, it's just so good. But, and then, yeah, just kind of like worked my way back. And I was like, wow, this guy is sick. Um, and then, yeah, I think learning to play the songs definitely helped expose me to more types of guitar playing than I had just learning like Ed Sheeran. Sure. No shade to Ed Sheeran. But, you know, he's very like easy to learn stuff, which is great when you're first learning. Yeah. Um, you know, he keeps like the very simple chord shapes and it's like nothing crazy. He's not doing these crazy solos or these super weird thumb techniques. Like it's just very conventional guitar playing, which is like totally fine. It works really well for him. 
but then I think learning some songs that had more unconventional styles or you know musical sort of like influences was helped a lot in terms of just knowing the guitar better and being more familiar with like oh this is like where I place my hands for this and this and I have to like look every time you change chords or like you're not like sliding around as much it's not as loud yeah yeah it was just John uses his thumb a lot too right yeah which which is is like a whole I think yeah unlocks so much you have a whole other finger you can use (laughs) no really yeah and like uh, like Jimi Hendrix did that a lot too and and I mean what a legend yeah man like it's just it's I'm not saying if you use your thumb you're an amazing guitar player but like Uh, that's exactly what I say (laughs) (laughs) it it makes you feel really cool you feel sick Yeah. yeah Even if you're like me and you're like your hands aren't really big enough where you could actually do it, but if you just like wrap your thumb around, it's like yeah, you are, I'm sick. You are halfway home <laughs> to being amazing, yeah. Player. But no, it was um, yeah. So so John Mayer definitely has been a big influence in terms of that. Just like learning songs and I'm like, oh wow, this is cool. It's just like the little picking technique on who says and stop this train. Yeah. Um. You know, like that's also the kind of I sort of use that technique playing don't think twice it's all right it's not the same like bob dylan doesn't use that technique but like it translates a little bit though yeah Yeah, it's like you get you develop more of like rather than just no like i feel like in the beginning guitar it's like oh just remember where to put your fingers in a certain spot and then Mm -hmm. be able to put them in a different spot after that and all of a sudden you're playing chords but there's like there's like a a rhythm and a feeling to it that i feel like you develop when you play more more in-depth songs Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of that's comfort with the instrument, you yeah. know, holding it. Like, because, you know, when you first play, like, your fingers hurt a lot. I oh, yeah, you're getting calloused up, man. Yeah, yeah, now it's like, it's all good. You're like, yeah, 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 I can do it. I'm invincible. You know? Right, exactly. I have no feeling in my fingertips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but, yeah, a lot of that's just being familiar with, with the instrument. But then I think a big part of um, getting better at guitar was going to college and then kind of having a lot more time on my hands maybe um <laughs> probably could have been spent <laughs> more productively than nah. playing guitar but i think just kind of like having the guitar in my room like i would wake up and i would be like looking at it and i would see it that was like i don't know if it incentivized me to learn it more but it was just like it's there you know i've always been wanting to like learn how to do this so it's like why don't i just like sit down and learn how to do that and I feel like you can maybe see that process on the Peters and Kasab Instagram page. Major shout out to one of the best pages <laughs> on all of Instagram. Dude, it's got to be more active. I feel like Christian is pretty good at being active. I, I, I got to be more active. I mean, you got the, the activity, sure, but in terms of content quality, it does not get better than your account. I mean, it, seriously, every once in a while, I, I'm, I'm being completely honest here, I go to the account and I just start listening to old stuff that I've already listened to. It's like, wow. Like you guys are you and, and Christian by the way guys Christian's on episode 2 listen to episode 2 and 1 and 3 oh, please they're the so plug. good they're actually <laughs> so good thanks man dude but, episode 1 so topical now with the Tua injury yeah so wow that, that was, was that so was tough scary, to see man yeah. now it's good that, that the neurologist that was related to that that they're, that's unaffiliated with the Dolphins was fired from whatever mm-hmm. position he held but that was yes. good but dude so Christian another just extremely talented musician I think mm-hmm. we talked about a little bit episode 2 guy does it all yeah him and Adam on the same account? <laughs> is Instagram still free? I mean, it's just, it's electric, man. And you got you guys put out really, really good stuff. Really great songs. There's a lot of John Mayer on there. You mm-hmm. get, it's really, really good. And I think something, for me, as one of your fans, 
as someone who has listened to you play a lot in person, as someone who has played with you before. Yeah. Speaking on behalf of, of all of your fans, what can we get? Is there any any preview for what maybe might be coming out next? On whether it's Peterson Kasab or on the YouTube channel in terms of what your next what your next cover or source of content might be? Yeah. So I think I'm I'm very inconsistent uploading. Um, but it's hard. I, I know we've talked about this. I didn't mean to interrupt you, by the way. But it's like I know when you want to put something out, you want it to be like your best work. And mm-hmm. I think like anybody who even sings in the shower, which I do all the time, it's like some days you feel like to yourself you sound better than mm-hmm. I sound better today than I did yesterday. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll sound better tomorrow than I did today. Right. And it's like I know you want to like put out something that's really good, which mm-hmm. you always do. So I I think that is that like partially what contributes to maybe like not being super posting super often is the fact that you want to put out your best stuff yeah definitely I think there's still sort of this sense of like anxiety like I'm still like are people gonna like this and the thing is everyone has been so supportive and kind there's like no reason for me to be worried if I put something out that I'm gonna be like oh gosh people are gonna like hate this and they're gonna be like oh this guy can't sing or whatever there's no reason for me to think that but that still is kind of there I think it's totally fair, though. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. You're still putting yourself out there, you know, and, and on something like YouTube, it's not just for the, you know, people who know how great you are. It's for people you don't know and probably will never meet, mm-hmm. and you're hoping that, oh, hopefully they'll like it, too. And yeah. I think the fact that you're just objectively unreal, is, it, it makes it a little <laughs> bit easier, but it's still, it's hard, but really, it's hard to put yourself out there like Definitely. that, and I, I respect that. And I think, listen, man, you post once every so many weeks, you post 16 times a day. You, you only put out bangers. Thank so you. the frequency of it is it, versus the quality is what really matters. And you've got that part down. Yeah. Wow, I appreciate that. That's yeah. really nice. I appreciate the content. <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, but no, there is something coming. I haven't like started officially working on it, but it's it's bigger than I think anything I've done. Um, oh, wow. On YouTube, for sure. And probably in anything. It's just like more... more Involved, I guess there's more parts to it than yeah. something I've, I've done before, but it probably might not be for a little bit. But it'll be coming, dude. I'm so reluctant to even say like before the end of the year because <laughs> I'm just so bad at putting stuff out. No, you know, it's before the end of the year, it's happening. I love that, man. I'm starting give yourself a nice little, nice little deadline that you're more than welcome to miss. I like how I'm worried, even though it's October 2nd. <laughs> <laughs> like, I oh mean, God, it's not enough dude, time. I don't know how extensive this project is, man. Who knows? Yeah. No, it's... I'm already it's, excited about it. It's big, yeah. It'll be, it's something cool, I think. Um, I've never done anything like it, so maybe it'll be a little wonky, but I think it'll be cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was that didn't really give anything away. Yeah, <laughs> you're stepping out of the comfort zone. I have a feeling it's going to be amazing, and I kind of like the fact that we don't really know what we're getting, other than the fact that we know we're getting something really good. <laughs> yeah. So, but, and then even like before then, I'm going to definitely try to do more covers, just like okay, perfect. I'm excited yeah, about that. Yeah, because those yeah, are not. You, you know, got to satisfy the, the, the I mean, your audience. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're craving. I mean, come on. <laughs> I do, I do, yeah, I do feel bad. Like I, I, um, I visited my girlfriend in Seattle. And one of her friends subscribed. He's like, dude, I can't wait to see stuff. And I was like, yeah, man. It's just <laughs> been nothing since then. You know what? Do it for him. I will. Do it for him, man. I will. Yeah, I will. No, I will. I, I, I truly think that people who have heard you perform, whether it's like live or the YouTube channel, I think they genuinely would be excited to see something new come out for you. So I think, you know, something to get pumped about. Mm. In addition to this really cool launcher project yeah. that I'm really excited about already. Yeah. No, I love performing. 
like it still makes me nervous i feel like i'm just generally a little bit of like an anxious person but i just love doing it i guess like for whoever even if it's for no one even if i'm just in my room yeah playing for myself or i'm like imagining like oh there's someone listening i don't know it's just a lot of fun and it's really fun i feel like to lose yourself for like three or four minutes in something else and just like take yourself away to somewhere else and just like just like play and just sort of yeah you know let you're in your own world yeah for a few just exist yeah, nothing else matters doing. Yeah, yeah it's just really really nice so yeah i as much as i love doing it you would think my upload schedule would be a little more regimented but it's coming it'll man. get there you know I, i'm early in my youtube career but no i will be more consistent yeah so my youtube channel is just adam peters my profile picture is like, it's like a purple flower now i saw i, I was on there today and i noticed that yeah because yes, before it was just, just like an orange letter a which we, we got you gotta make it yeah. gotta stand out here, so right? yeah it's a picture of a purple flower um so yeah if, if you guys want to watch some covers and a video essay about why Jeremy Lin is important to me as an Asian American. <laughs> you know, I was actually on my way to asking you about oh, that. Oh my goodness. I don't want to spoil the video for the listeners, but I pretty mm-hmm. much just, can you give talk a little bit about like what Lin sanity means to you from a basketball and a cultural perspective? Just because the video is actually, it's actually really, really cool. <laughs> and I think it's just hilarious to see the YouTube channel. <laughs> There's three videos. There's just two covers and why Lin sanity. Know, it's, it's just, just the juxtaposition a, is hilarious. It's really funny. <laughs> Yeah, so I think anyone who was a fan of basketball in like 2012 was caught up in the Linsanity hype. I think it's really hard not to be just because, you know, you have a guy who was like, goes to Harvard and is undrafted and plays in the D League at the time it was the D League. And then, you know, bounces around sort of and then finally gets to the Knicks and plays, you know, at Madison Square Garden. The Mecca of basketball. Yeah, literally. And then just like lights it up. And he's going toe to toe with like John Wall and Kobe Bryant. And then before. One of the games, Kobe was like, oh, I don't even know who Jeremy Lin is. Like, who is this guy? I don't care. And then Jeremy Lin goes and drops like 30 or whatever. It's just like, it was such a fun time. And I think, so like, I'm half Japanese. And just like, having someone who represented that part of me playing basketball and like just tearing it up was so, so cool to see. Because like, obviously you had Yao Ming, who is, you know, the greatest probably Asian basketball player. Not that there's a huge pool to choose from. Sure, but, but he's a standalone, a great He is just player. good, yeah. yeah like, I mean, without the foot injuries, really that guy was good. on his way to being a, a Hall of Famer. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. No, but then he's like, there's a guy, and I talk about this in the video, like a guy like Jeremy Lin, you know, grew up in like California, and he grew up in the United States, and he just probably was just like any other sort of Asian American kid. Just seeing him like tear it up on such a big stage was so cool. I remember my freshman year, I had like a Linsanity shirt, like a vet, like a Nike, and I wore it to like the tryouts for like freshman year because I was like, yeah, this is, yeah, my guy. represent the brand. Yeah. yeah, so it's just really, it was really cool to see. And even now, there, I mean, like Rui Hachimura, he's Japanese. I think he's like half Japanese and half another race. Solid player. It's yeah, really he's good. And then like he's still in the Wizards. I think so. Okay. Yeah, it was just cool. They just the Wizards and the Warriors just played a preseason game, I think in Tokyo. Wow, that's pretty is, cool. Yeah, which is really cool to see. Um, but I don't know, like, cause obviously you're like 
impartial to your own cultural background <laughs> and the hostage. No, but I think that's fair, but like yeah. you can still appreciate that, like the fact that he had such a big impact. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, other than just being like a, a really solid basketball player, who I think just kind of got the short end of the stick in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. First, his tenure in New York. And yeah, definitely. Listen, the guy's got an NBA. He's got a ring. You know. I yeah right. I mean, how many people can say that? I'll tell you, Carl Malone, John Stockton, Patrick <laughs> Ewing. A lot of guys can't say that, man. Charles Barkley, Steve Nash. Steve Nash, seriously. I remember there was a really funny tweet I saw once. It was after the Warriors won in 2015. Mm-hmm. Counting up like number of combined rings. It was like Stockton, Malone, Barkley, Ewing, and a bunch of other guys. It was like zero. And it was Festus Azili, one. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know who the better player is. <laughs> That's the beauty of seeing like the, you know your That's ninth it. man off the bench get a ring, man. Can we do while we're on the sports. Oh, please, yeah. I just have a quick... Can we talk about boats real quick? Please, let's do it. Okay, so I think, because I've thought about this so much, and I think, for me, in terms of their respective sport, and how good they are at their respective sport, in terms of all the other players, to me, the GOAT is Wayne Gretzky of the NHL. It was like the GOAT athlete? Like the mm-hmm. GOAT like player of sports? I think so. I I'm not super educated about the, the like the numbers he's accumulated like his stats, yeah, dude. but from like the very little reading I've done about that guy, mm-hmm. just like the longevity, yeah. the peak that he had, the ability to play in different eras. He played three, yeah, yeah ninety nine is retired all across the entire NHL. Yes, because he was so sick. Which I mean, less. I think that'd be a tough, tough one to argue. The guy absolutely dominated his sport that, yeah. and he played like a lot of his contemporaries were also because he played so long. Mm-hmm. He played against so many other all timers. Right. Yeah. And he didn't. The thing is, like, like obviously you hear about Wilt scoring like hundred points and grabbing like fifty rebounds, and he played in like the sixties. People are like, oh, he played against plumbers. Like, whatever. yeah, yeah. I love that take. By yeah. the way. it's so funny. <laughs> and it's tough to think of that, but like Wayne Gretzky didn't play that long ago. Especially towards the tail end of his career. Yeah, yeah and he played for so long. But, like, one stat that stands out to me that, like, just blows my mind every time. So, in hockey, there's a statistic called points, and that's different than goals. So, there's goals and assists, and points are all separate. So, points is goals and assists combined. Sure. So, if you say a guy's, like, a point-per-game player, that's pretty good. You know, they get a goal or an assist per game there could, it's like the amount of points you contribute to pretty yeah, much yeah exactly so if you take Wayne so Wayne Gretzky is the all time leader of points in the NHL if you take away every single goal he scored he's still the all time leader of points in the NHL solely based on assists yeah yeah that's absurd like that's insane like just think about like that's crazy I wonder what that would look like in the NBA like points responsible for like if you add up points yeah. and assists like where people got like guys like LeBron or the guys mm-hmm. who kind of do scoring and be tough. distributing yeah because scoring is more like happens more. Yeah, <laughs> basketball. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, but that that Gretzky stat, I was not familiar with that. That it, that's just that like blows my mind every time. That's tough for any other players competing to be the greatest all time hockey players. And the, like the thing is, for I'm sure there's some like cricket player who's just like absolutely nasty. That we just don't appreciate. Yeah, it or like yeah. a sumo wrestler from the 1500s <laughs> who's like, oh, this guy like never lost, and he like climbed up a mountain every day. Like you know, like. But in terms of like the major four sports in North America, I just think Wayne Gretzky is so good. He's the great one, isn't that his nickname? <laughs> yeah, that is his like, I'm sorry, if your nickname's the great one, you gotta be pretty darn good. <laughs> I think it's like Muhammad Ali. Yeah, his nickname is the greatest of all time. Yeah, it's like hey, it's probably solid. You know, that was pretty good. Yeah, he could uh, he could throw a right hooker too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up the Wayne Gretzky thing. That is, mm. that is kind of, that, the guy's a legend, certified. 
But Adam, man, I got, I got, I'll be in close after this. I really just have one more thing that I, I, I really hope the listeners can appreciate about you, man, is that you, you do so many great impressions. And I'm sure they kind of took away from that from the intro. I mean, we're talking, like, you do a great Bane from The Dark Knight Rises, right? Yeah. Home Depot commercials, you clearly have mastered, <laughs> right? I'm, one of my personal favorites, Aldo Rain from Inglorious Bastards, oh, the scene man. about the scallops and stuff. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. So, my question, I have, this is two part. Mm-hmm. Number one, is there an imitation that's your favorite to do? And then number two is, can you can you give the, the people out there a little taste of what you're capable yeah. of? Yeah. Um, I really like doing the Bane impression. You're great at that one, man. <laughs> I remember freshman year in high school on the tennis team. I did that a lot just because I was like, yeah. <laughs> people like this. I don't know. I think doing impressions is so fun. Like, even if they're not good, like, they're so fun. I do a lot of not good yeah, impressions, well, you know, and it's a great time. Your Kazer impression maybe isn't, like, sonically accurate, but, it's, but it evokes his character. That's <laughs> <laughs> maybe more important than total accuracy. No, the Bane thing, I, like, so I just remember watching the movie, and I was like, wow, this is sick. Like, his entrance is so cool. Love that movie, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I forget what he says. He's like, ah, it's a lot of money for something. And then Bane's like, well, perhaps you should the guy who would shoot a man before throwing a man to the plane. <laughs> yeah. like, whoa. That How do you get so it to sick. sound like that? With the, I know you, like, so Adam, like, put his hand for those videos yeah, of video. You cuff your hand you cuff. over your mouth. Yeah. And then you sort of talk like this. <laughs> <laughs> you just come on. You talk like an old, like, British man with a cold. Yeah, without the hands, it kind of sounds like a weenie. Can you do the Aldo Rain one too? Yeah, what what line? What do you want? Maybe like the Orlami. <laughs> That's a great one. But how about how about just like they're the business that they're in? We are in the natural business, and business is a boom. <laughs> I love. That's my favorite Tarantino movie. That is a great one, and Brad Pitt's really really good. Yeah, it's the Adam man. It's been a pleasure having you on. Oh my you just so much fun. Between the Gretzky takes, your background in music, that the, the your experience being a production assistant, the list goes on and on. Mm. Provided so much knowledge, dropping so much knowledge for anybody out there who's listening. Mm. We appreciate you coming on. We hope you come on again. Oh my gosh, dude! I'm thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, man. Dude, I was I listen to podcasts a lot. Like I just they're great and like legitimately, this is the one I look forward to. Like oh, like man. more than any other one, this is the one I look forward to because it's just like. It's just good, and a lot of it's cool because it's like oh, I can hear like my friends talking about sports. Yeah. But it's just like good, and it's just well done. I think you're a great host. Oh, and it's just man. it's so much fun, and it's been like it's been so fun just talking. You know, it's just it's been a good time. So, dude, I'm more than happy to be on whenever. Um, yeah, thank you so much. The pleasure's all mine, man. It's a privilege having content machines like you come on. So, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.